broadcasting live on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and in the evenings on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk. It is the Matt McNeil Show for your Tuesday. Good to be with you today. Coming up in the 4 o'clock hour locally here in the Twin Cities, Patrick uh, Patrick Cooligan is going to join us from uh, Minnesota Reformer, talk about some of the stories they've got there. Patrick Howard, but not Patrick Cooligan, but it's just producer Patrick. Hi, producer Patrick. How are we today? Doing well. Unfortunately, not as accomplished or as uh, productive as Patrick Cooligan is. Yeah. He's <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it does a pretty solid job over there. I did something. Okay, first of all, I got to point out something. Now I know for the Chicago folks down there in in Chicago, you guys have actually had more snow than we have. We have been bizarrely hot up in the Twin Cities. I think today it's forty five degrees. I think the normal high today is something like nineteen. It has been tomorrow. We're supposed to hit close to sixty. Sixty. It's going to be the earliest ever if it does happen. I'm coming into the radio station. You know what I see? Got a little caterpillar up in the, the parking lot, man. No, really? Yeah, not moving too fast. I mean, it is still, you know, 45. But it's a, I took a picture of it. I'm going to post it on social media. you got to be kidding me, man. We're used to, I mean, it's the minute, it's it, it, going on up here right now. It's the St. Paul Winter Carnival. And usually that is you're freezing cold, but you go out and have fun. Uh, they have ice sculptures, snow sculptures, lots of good stuff. Yeah, uh, not this year. It's, it's 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 a lovely Oklahoma City brown. Oh, delightful! Who loves dirt? Uh, yikes! It is weird. We are having no one. Don't tell me we don't. We're not having climate change. This is the we are literally on the verge of Minneapolis, St. Paul, not even having or having minimal snow. I think we've had like five total inches. A storm in October was one or two. Storm in November was one or two. But we have not. This is going to be the year without snow. That's for up here at least. I mean, you guys south of us have been hammered, not us. <laughs> and we don't know what to do with this. Uh, I did take down the holiday lights. Now there there is a bit of debate. I mean, about when do you take them down? One of the things for me now, reminder, I want to remind everyone, I went out and I found a guy that would help me put, I have a big pine tree. I just wanted to put lights on that one big pine tree. I found a guy who did it for a fairly reasonable price, but the fact that I had to pay for it, I was going to leave that sucker up for a while. And I did. I mean, I think it was basically two full months. Uh, I had the, the lights up there because I paid for it. And I'm like, you know what? That looks nice. Some people are, and I, I think these are the people who are in households that the 20 minutes after the last Halloween candy has been devoured uh, on, on the October 31st, the, the house is gutted. It's all Christmassy. And I have noticed the people I know that, that really get into the Christmas stuff really early have zero tolerance for it when it comes to be basically 4 p.m. on Christmas Day. Yeah, that was kind of my thought on it. And that's why I think, you know, as you were saying, you know, it gets to be December 26th and people can't tear down their stuff fast enough. The music just stops. Do you, you know? have anyone in your neighborhood? Do you have anyone in your neighborhood who on Christmas Day by that afternoon, that Christmas tree is a carcass at the end of their driveway? <laughs> I can't remember if I've seen that, but I kind of vaguely, now that you mention it, it sounds like I have seen something like I, that. We got, a, we got one neighbor. Now, give them credit. They basically take a vacation right after the holidays, so they want to tear it all down. But it is, it's pretty stark to be the, you know, the Christmas Day afternoon, and well, there's there's one down already. Uh, that didn't last long. Uh, go, you, but you were, you were saying in regards to. Yeah, no, I was just agreeing with your point that I think, you know, because they get, 
they get going so early that, you know, like I said, by the, you know, you said the 25th, but by the 26th, like the, the music's like, we never even, you know, we never even played any music. What are you talking about? That's, you know, distant past now. And, mm-hmm. you know, as you were saying, like we, we, no, the lights are down. Like people just want to pretend it never happened. Yeah, there is a. We've kind of moved past it. Uh, yet for me, I, in the past. Now, once again, I, I did extend it out because I had um, uh, someone put the l- lights in the tree for me. But in the past, it's been by MLK Weekend, usually by MLK Weekend, and and frankly, because there's a lot of church dates. Now, I'm I'm Christian. You do or don't do whatever it is you do don't, don't want to do. Okay, that's I'm not here to you know proselytize i'm not here to convert i'm just basically this is just who i am i'm christian there are a lot of important dates after christmas that you know you know you want to hit and that i kind of that's i've always had that that was always kind of part of my life was you have lights up until a certain point but i will say there was another factor because my kids uh my oldest is getting ready to graduate college this year, my youngest is still at home, uh, but a junior in high school. Uh, the cuteness is all gone. It's all worn off. They're not little kids anymore. But I do have a neighbor who is just in that sweet spot. They're eight years old, so everything they do is adorable and cute. Watching them play baseball, watching them get excited when Halloween comes around, watching them get excited when, when Christmas comes around. They basically, the family came over and told us how much they appreciated the lights in the tree and all that stuff. I specifically left the lights up for about maybe a week and a half longer than I usually would have uh, just for them. And But today they're down, so dreams are over. <laughs> it's, I'm, it's amazing how long it takes me to put the stuff up, but taking the stuff down, man, that is a master's class in efficiency right there. That stuff came down, and it came down quick. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. If you have a thought in regards to when do when do you pull down the Christmas lights, you can you can let us know. But, yeah, I think the people that generally, you know, that, that their houses are cleaned out, all the Christmas stuff is away by the 26th, 27th. Generally, it's those are the people that have been they, – they already have celebrated the Christmas for, for two months. I am – and I've said this before, I'm a, tr- a Thanksgiving traditionalist. I do not want Christmas stuff up in my house. I don't want Christmas decorations up in my house. I don't want a tree up in my house until I've had turkey. Until I've had turkey and I've had my stuffing and I've had my green bean casserole and I've had my pecan pie. And yeah, that gets done. I've just watched Steve Martin and 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 uh, and uh, uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Um, John Candy. Thank you. John Candy and, and Steve Martin and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I've gotten that. I've I've basically maybe gone for a walk. There we go. Then I can start thinking about it. 952-946-6205. So, yeah, two months. Not bad. Uh, Illinois. It was, it was heartbreaking when my state went against common sense. But what's going on down there? The Illinois State Board of Elections voted unanimously on Tuesday to dismiss a challenge to former President Trump's candidacy but the decision is not expected to be the final word of the matter with an appeal all but assured the panel voted eight to zero on a bipartisan basis to dismiss the challenge finding that it didn't have jurisdiction to adjudicate the dispute involving the 14th amendment my guess is going to be and there is a legitimate chance 
the Supreme Court could come back and say, no, you partook in an, because I guarantee you that the Supreme Court right now is probably reviewing evidence that we have not seen in regards to, you know, messages, correspondence, organization of what happened on January 6th. And from kind of the murmurings and rumors that you hear, especially about the Jack Smith case in DC, the stuff that he has that, that he's ready to go to trial with, which Trump is terrified of. If they've got any of that information, then it, it there's a legit chance they could come back and say, no, you, as the, they're not going to disqualify him. What they will say is that states can remove him from the ballot under the justification of the 14th Amendment if they would like to. And they should. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the jackass tried to overthrow the government of the United States. And I have said this before. There is no walking that back. If you would have done that, if they basically would have had taken a legitimate election and thrown it out to just basically install him, there would never be another legitimate election in this country again. Because as much as they say, well, this is just a one-time deal, and I had no doubt, I mean, let let just do the hypothetical for a sec. What would have happened if Trump would have overthrown the government if it had been successful if if they basically had had whisked the vice president away and refused to return him to the capitol throwing the country into chaos sending it to the u.s house they basically you know ignore the will of the voters and basically install trump as president within three months all of a sudden they would come out and say well all the investigations said that joe biden would have won but you know let's not change horses midstream i i think you know joe biden needs to be the big guy here and accept the fact that donald trump is going to be in office for a while and that would have been the argument and now I think we could have had a clearly had another constitutional crisis right there where you have someone who's the legitimate winner of the election and not put into power. But that would have been their whole goal. But no matter what, when it came to either the 2022 election or the 2024 election, if all of a sudden things looked horribly bad for Trump, you think that he's only he's going to do a one and done on throwing out an election? Of course not. It's It's become clear to me that people's emotions and passions are a little high. And so what I've decided to do is I've thrown out the 2022 election where the Democrats won a majority of the House and the Senate, and I'm going to install Republican leadership in there to be moderate and tell them you need to be bipartisan and understand that there's a lot of passions here, but this is the best way to go. Of course you would have. And in and, and coming up for the next election, 2024, after if he would have won a second time, they would have said, well, wait a minute, you can't run again. There's a 10-year limit on presidency ever since uh, and, you know, FDR. And he would say, well, that's just a suggestion. I'm going to go. I'm going to run. I'm going to do it. And, oh, by the way, I've won again. Oh, boy. Of course, there is no walking that back. Once you cheat, you're always going to cheat. Like Trump in golf. He was a notorious cheater in golf, apparently. But once you once you basically cheat, you're never going back because you don't have to. If you're successfully allowed to cheat your way into power, you're not going to back down from that. And do you think the coward brigade, that's the Republican Party of America, you think at any point they would sit there and they would have said anything about, oh, well, this time, though, sir, you need to step aside? Of course not. They would have They would have said, well, so it looks legit to me. 
I, I wish Illinois hadn't done this. I know that you're waiting for the Supreme Court ruling, and I imagine it'll be interesting to see what happens if the Supreme Court does come down and say no individual states can remove him from the ballot under the 14th Amendment if they so deem that's necessary. But for God's sakes, I mean, stop. Let's not act like that what he did wasn't what he did. He tried to overthrow the government of the United States. He tried to overthrow democracy itself. He sent an angry mob out there to hang the vice president, for God's sakes. His, his vice president. His vice president. Still one of the more amazing things. Uh, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on your Tuesday. It is the Matt McNeil Show on your Tuesday, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Patrick, we apparently did have a caller about the lights. What date did they say they keep theirs up till? Uh, January 12th, and the re- the rationale was that's when the three kings arrived in Bethlehem. So oh, no. that's a rec- uh, it's a representation of the stars that they follow. Ah, I see, I see. Um, I did not know those little, what I, I call Charlie Brown lights. Cause they're the ones that are featured on Snoopy's doghouse and the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Do you know that the shape of those is the pepper? Because apparently pepper plants were even more popular in poinsettias were for many years. People would give pepper plants over the holidays and that, so those lights are supposed to represent that. So right. little things you just didn't know, huh? Uh, I also, by the way, did want to make sure I mentioned that there was another challenge, this one to Joe Biden. The board unanimously voted down to dismiss a challenge in Illinois to Joe Biden. Apparently, there was a GOP attempt to use the 14th Amendment to strip him of the ballot based on arguments the border crisis amounts to an insurrection. Now, <laughs> oh, God, Republicans, you guys are just, you're just dumb insurrection means it comes from within now that's just and and let's just cut the crud those are the people that want to come here and do any job possible so they can get some money to send back home because things are so bad where they come from they come here and in the same sense you, the, you know unless you're native american that the Germans and the Swedes and the French and the British all came here at some point looking for a different way of life because they were repressed. There wasn't jobs. The Irish came over, the potato famine, famine in the, the 1800s. Dear Lord, they came over in droves because there was no food to eat. And of course, at that time, when your ancestors came here, there were people who were here saying, don't let those new people in. But the reality is, and I, I was reading about this uh, Sunday night, the, they're, they're, these states, these right-wing states that have basically gone you know, really against you know, undocumented workers coming in and working, um, they basically are, they're, they're so desperate to get anyone to work these, these jobs that the undocumented workers were willing to do, that they are now basically using chain gangs again, that the chain gang is coming back. Forced prison labor is coming back 
because and all you have to do is kind of like Shawshank Redemption, I guess. You know, make a donation to the warden, and basically all of a sudden you got a work crew that will come on down and pick your crops for you, because these say and this, and this is what they think is a good thing. The forced labor of 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 the, the of prisoners is a better option for them than just basically allowing people who are willing to come in and work these jobs to come in and work these jobs. Heaven forbid. Heaven forbid. But it's not an insurrection because an insurrection comes from within. That's the first two letters of that word. And so the fact that you don't even know that and that's what you're trying to tag what's going on on the border on as uh, you guys are idiots. You guys are freaking idiots. But that's who these guys are. And let me segue this into just the the absolute mess that is the Republican Party. The Republican Party does not deliver for you. They just don't. They don't. They don't give you quality schools. Conservative schools suck. They're horrible because it's not about educating kids. It's basically about, you know, giving, you know, making sure that the schools have no money in many states, conservative states, because they don't want minority kids to get the benefits that white kids get. And that's the reality of it. I mean, it's just it's an ugly truth of the whole thing. But that's why you have many of these states who basically run these schools of basically, you know, you know, you know, daily testing centers and that's it. Their schools are horrible. Their their health and human services in many of these Republican states, inadequate is not the right term. Inhumane is the right term. It's just it's just horrible. I mean, I joked last week about Christy Noem in South Dakota wheeling that patient out back behind the hospital. Uh, that's uh, kind of, you know, from things I've heard from the South Dakota healthcare system, that kind of is, you know, get the guns ready. We're, we've got a diagnosis for you, sir. We can either spend the money to try to treat your cancer or there you go. You know, that sort of thing. Transportation policy, please, please. I mean, Republicans will pay for hover bots to carry the wealthy people to their private corporation offices, headquarters in any given Republican state. But heaven forbid you want, you know, common sense road control. Heck, they're the ones that bring back the toll roads. Not because they work, but because basically it prevents them from from actually having to care about their constituents. Have you ever been on? I mean, I know Chicago. You guys have got you got them there coming in on uh, ninety four. There, go across Ohio. That 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 toll road across northern Ohio. That's a dead zone. It's gonna you know it doesn't. It, there's no economic growth. There's no economic impact. It's a dead zone across northern Ohio because. <laughs> What business wants to be on a toll road where they basically have to pay for their vehicles just to get to their headquarters? Nope. Everything the Republicans do, the infrastructure, they all, most of them voted against it. All of them tried to take credit for it, though. Why? Because that's who they are. They have nothing they can claim credit for. They're horrible. They are truly horrible. And so they're, they're, they're forced to basically have to try to take credit for a bill that they voted against 
to pat themselves on the back and say, see, I made a difference when they didn't do squat. I mean, we even have up here in Minnesota, Pete Stauber up in the Minnesota 8th, who's trying to take credit for the Blatnick Bridge that connects Duluth and Superior, Wisconsin. And the, the transportation secretary came out and said, no, you had nothing to do with this. You voted against the bill. And no, I did not take your advice on which bridge to build. That was something that was in Joe Biden and Governor Walls did. But it doesn't stop them. And you know why? Because they know their followers will believe the lie. Think about this. This is, this is the system that the Republicans have gotten, that they have basically, they don't, don't accomplish anything and take credit for everything that the Democrats do accomplish. And the people that are dumb enough to keep electing the Republicans sit there and act like, isn't it great that they passed the infrastructure bill? No, they didn't pass it. You're lying. <laughs> no. But that's all they've got. But, 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 you know, that sort of thing. But it's this border crisis, which is truly just exposes the Republicans for the fraudulent political party that they are, because they are, they're just fraudulent beyond fraudulent. Because here is a case where they bring up an issue and fine, we'll try to solve it. This is primarily their issue. This is the issue they've been screaming about. This is the issue they wanted to get done. And now when we're about to get it done, they're all running away because politics. That's all it is. More when we come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Broadcasting in the evening on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk and AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota in the afternoon. It is the Matt McNeil Show on your Tuesday, 952-946-6205. So let's talk about the frauds that are the Republicans, because here it is a case where Joe Biden has called their bluff. Okay, fine. You want to have some, I mean, if you want to have some fairly stringent rules in regards to the border, I'm willing to do that, but in return, I'm going to get what I want out of you guys. The Senate understands this, but Trump doesn't want any kind of victory. So they're basically about to torpedo this, not because it's going to, you know, this is a bad bill, but because they basically, it's only politics. The last, once again, why aren't they doing anything? That was what they're screaming. They're running down there for photo ops on the border. Where is the president? Well, president is about to do something. Cancel it. We, we can't give him a victory because Trump. They're frauds. Republicans have shouted from the rooftops about migrant crisis at the U.S.-Mexico border and how Joe Biden needs to address it, insisting the flow of migrants is an urgent national security threat. Now many of the right are urging the party to reject the very same things that they said were needed to fix the problem, including tougher enforcement measures and a proposal to automatically shut down border crossings when it's overwhelmed. Instead, they appear set on impeaching the top cabinet official in charge of the border, even though there's no evidence of any crime. The GOP's contortions aren't just grating for the Democrats, but also for some conservative Republicans, too, who have been deeply involved in crafting bipartisan legislation, which is expected to be unveiled soon that would overhaul how migrants are processed at the border. It is interesting. Republicans for months now 
locked arms together and said, we are not going to give you money for this. We want to change the law, says Senator James Langford, Republican from Oklahoma, the GOP's lead negotiator on the deal pairing immigration changes with assistance for Ukraine and other allies. A few months later, when we're finally getting to the end, they're like, oh, just kidding. I actually don't want to change the law because it's a presidential election year. So once again, it's and by the way, Lankford, I believe, didn't he get censored by the Oklahoma because he's from Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Republican Party censored him for what? Working with the other side. This is the modern, the modern Republican they just do not, the only thing they want is to force their will on everybody. And by the way, once again, they don't want to help you. <laughs> they, idiot Republican voters, listen to me. Idiot Republican voters, listen to me. The Republicans aren't going to make your life better. Heck, if you are in rural America right now, you've probably had Republicans in charge of your local government, your state government, from your districts for the last what? 30 years, 40 years, is your life better? No. In some of those years, they've had complete control of government. Complete control. Did they make your life better? Not at all. Nope. Your wages haven't gone up. There are no better jobs. Your health care sucks. Your education system sucks. Your taxes have stayed the same because they can't give tax breaks to the wealthy without making sure someone pays for it. But they have conv convinced you dupes that basically me paying for wealthy people to get more money, that's a good investment. No, the Republicans want to force their agenda on you. And they just want to do this, and which makes us a hoot, they want to do this with basically hardly any votes to spare in the U.S. House. Meanwhile, and I will say this sometimes, I mean, the Democrats' problem sometimes is they are too determined to get a few Republicans to vote with them to make themselves feel better at the end of the day. And I was like, okay, no. I mean, we know up here in Minnesota, this last, the, the legislative cycle back in 2023, they basically, the, the Democrats got a lot of things on their wish list done. And they did it without a single Republican vote in many cases. And it, it, you know, it, it's a remarkable what happens and what you can get done when you stop worrying about the people who basically have tried to hamper your existence. You stop worrying about their feelings and you just worry about the people that got you into office. The Democrats want to help you. And the funny thing is they will always, no matter how red the district, if you have a problem, let's say, let's go into Illinois Let's find the, the reddest farm district out there. When your water wells are all of a sudden toxified because the nitrates from the fertilizer have permeated the ground and basically the water is undrinkable. You guys come hat in hand to the Democrats in Chicago and go, we need your help. We're hurting out here. And you know what? They'll do that. They'll help you out. But is there any reciprocity the back way? Of course not. You Democrats need to be put under control. That's This is where we're at. And the crazy part is this goes back to what I talked about on Friday, the punishing thing. The Republicans desire to punish the other side of the aisle. That is their whole dream, their whole goal, punishing them. And so the feeling is, you know, we're going to take away all the benefits they get 
well, wait a minute. Why are you taking away from me? I thought we were just taking away from the Democrats. That's the mentality. They think they think somehow that because my card-carrying Republican, you know, you know, my my, my I'm a card-carrying Republican for the last 50 years, that somehow I'm going to get the benefits. I'm going to they're going to take all their stuff away and they're going to give it to me. <laughs> no, you're not. And I get my stuff taken away too. Wait a minute, that's not fair. But you know what? The warning signs have been there. Like I said, for 30, 40 years, you guys have been voting for Republicans and they have never made your life better. I know you think they did, but tell me, when was the last thing of last time a Republican initiative made your life better? And if you say Trump era tax cuts, you're a millionaire or a billionaire. <laughs> you're not like the vast majority of people. When, 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 when did you have a stunning, sterling healthcare bill from the Republican party that God, my, my healthcare is now affordable and easier to access. <laughs> when was the last time anyone said, well, thank God for this, this Republican education bill. Now my kids have gotten a better education. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Even when it comes to something you you insist they have done for you, well, they have uh, they've lowered my taxes. <clears throat> Unless you are a millionaire or a billionaire, your taxes have not gone down. As a matter of fact, you pay more in taxes thanks to the Republican Party, and you're too stupid to realize it. Someone's got to call you guys out on it. These are your guys, and here they are. They, they, and, and this is this whole border thing. I mean, my God, you have literally got the Oklahoma governor and the South Dakota governor and the Texas leadership all kind of implying they're going to open fire on U.S. troops if they try to get in the way of how you're doing things on the border as you watch people drown to death in the Rio Grande, high-fiving and slapping each other on the back like you've done something good. You guys are at that point that this is such a crisis that you are, you're actually thinking of, of, of ordering your troops to open fire on the U.S. military if they get in your way. And so here you go. We're going to get a solution for you that's going to actually address some of the concerns you have. And you frantically run away from it because, heaven forbid, you actually solve the problem that you yourself insisted was there. This is the epitome of how broken the Republican Party is today. It is just the epitome of it. And I'm sure once we get closer to the election, there's a lot of Republicans, I wasn't necessarily for ordering the the Texas National Guard to open fire on the tree. I don't know where you get the idea there. You're silenced now. Where is the Republican leadership? Where are the Republicans saying, you know what? Heck, I got a bill in front of me that's been negotiated. The Senate Republicans have gotten a lot of concessions here. This is a good bill, man. I'm going to vote for it. Nope. Uh, the deal being negotiated with Congress would require the U.S. to close the border about uh, if, if about 5,000 migrants cross illegally on a given day. It also speed up the asylum process, which has long suffered from a lack of resources in an overwhelmed immigration court system. In a statement last week, Biden called the deal the toughest and fairest set of reforms to secure the border we've ever had in our country and vowed that if he'd given the authority to shutter the border when it was overwhelmed, he would use it the day I signed the bill into law. 
A Democratic president endorsing the idea of shutting the border down would be have been unthinkable just a few years ago when under President Trump, Democrats were fighting tooth and nail against the construction of his border wall. Now with the general election looming after the unprecedented spike in the number of immigrants crossing the border, Democrats realize it's good politics to embrace bipartisan border fix if it also unlocks GOP support for U.S. military assistance uh, to defend Ukraine against Russia. And I think that that's a large part of it. I think if, if you do listen to a lot of military experts, a lot of a lot of you know Republican senators as well, a lot of Republican senators, Democratic senators have been there. What Ukraine has done to Russia is astounding. That the Russians were so convinced that they were going to go in there and just you know march through Ukraine, and they are in a quagmire now. They, I mean, Russia now is basically trying to say, well, if if you accept the border where it is now. Then we'll walk away and we're over. And, of course, Ukraine's like, no, you want peace? Get out of our country. And, you know, they're frantically trying to, to, to even just get basic military equipment to the, the soldiers. They're not, you know, it's, it's just disturbing what, what how, it, it's disturbing how the Russians are treating their own soldiers. But at the same time, it is disturbing to see how bad they are at this. And it's it's a it's basically if you read up on it, it it's what happens when the people who are o, o, first and foremost concerned about their cut in the system, how much money they're going to make, basically permeate the entire system, and that's why they're so ineffective. The Ukrainians have been able to through their outrage, through their blood, their sweat, their tears, they have been able to basically break Russia over their back, and even if they did accept some sort of you know, compromise bill right now. I would love to know how exactly Russia is going to hold that territory because I guarantee you there will be constant terrorist strikes within those areas of people killing off leaders and 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 Russian troops. It there there is the only option they have really is for them to go back to Russia. That's the only they're trying to save face, but you know they could they could remember from the lesson, lessons of Afghanistan and basically just get out of Ukraine and be done with it. We have, if we give them the, the, the support they need, we have the ability to really push this conflict into its end game and have Russia running back to their border very quickly. I think that that is one of the reasons why Joe Biden has embraced what, what, what I consider to be a bit draconian as far as a border policy. At the same time, he's trying to, do, he's trying to get some level of compromise here. He's not completely shutting down the border like Trump did. You know, it does come down to him shutting down the border if he feels it's necessary. So I think that that's a bit of a win. I, I At the same time, I'm not going to criticize. I'm not going to basically admit the point that this is this. This does not sound great in any capacity, but it's what compromise is. If everyone feels like they've been taken advantage of, well, that's good compromise. So. Although I don't necessarily agree with it, I understand it. And at the same time, I think that you know the, the end game being able to break Russia over our knee, uh, courtesy of the Ukrainians, you know, in some sort of WWE move. <laughs> it's like they tag team. Here comes Ukraine from the top rope. Oh, and he got him on the chin. Nicely done, Ukraine. That being said, this is what the Republicans said they wanted. This is all what the Republicans said they wanted. And here they are like, eh, no, we don't want that now. 
Uh, hopes of linking the two issues to make it easier to pass Congress are now very much in doubt as Trump, the presumptive GOP and presidential nominee, urged Republicans to reject the deal in order to deny Biden a policy win. Trump's allies said he will be able to secure the better agreement if he returns to the White House, even though he had a very poor record at negotiating bipartisan deals when he was president, notably rejecting an offer to build his beloved wall in exchange for a path to citizenship for undocumented immigrants brought, bought to the U.S. as children. So, no, Trump is, he basically, he wants to be a dictator and, you know, he wants to be authoritarian. And I guarantee you this, once again, if you're upset about Biden in this deal, if Trump gets into office, if Trump wins, they're, they're just going to start opening fire on immigrants coming across into the United States. You think it was bad enough when they, they went out there and, you know, you know, watched a mother and two children drowned? Now imagine watching them drown, but now they've ordered the troops to open fire on them because that's what's coming next. Republicans are frauds. That's just that. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Stay like toffee, sip like coffee, wake up, change your mind and drop me love to hate me crazy, shady, spit me all like hot wasabi, lick me up. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota and WCPT 820 Chicago's progressive talk. It is the Matt McNeil show on your Tuesday. Good to have you with us today. Uh, 952-946-6205. The other Republican thing. Now they, they're trying to impeach the Homeland uh, Security uh, Director. I, I mean, if, Once again, right now, they need every vote to go along with it that that's going to happen. But they don't really have any evidence of anything. So it will get laughed out of the Senate, basically. That being said, and, and what they're doing, and mind you, what they're doing is this, is they want to be able to say, well, they had to impeach one of his people. Well, he's found acquitted because they're all making this up. Speaking of making things up, this whole impeachment inquiry into the, to the president, is this is spectacularly blowing up in their face. I mean, every person who is coming in is bringing in notes, bringing in this, like, there's no evidence here. I don't know what you guys think is happening. And the argument that they're saying, this is, I saw Nancy Mace was on one of the, the right-wing places, and she made the comment, well, they say they don't have any evidence, but we know that they were communicating. So clearly something was going on. I mean, think about what she just said there. There is no evidence to back this up. But we're just going to believe that there's something going on. You are going to have, I mean, they are going to attempt to impeach the president with no crime. Case in point, President Joe Biden, Biden's business associate, Eric uh, Schwerin, was answering questions about the former vice president's financial association with the son Hunter at the end of the administration, but before he was president. Capitol Hill CNN reporter uh, and Grayer, Grayer uh, disclosed that the House Republicans looking to impeach Biden for taking bribes from foreign countries, a longtime allegation that Donald Trump and his allies have claimed without evidence, yet ha again had their hopes dashed when they grilled Schwerin. Speaking before the House Oversight and Reform Committee the Tuesday, Schwerin read from prepared remarks that detailed his role and what he observed in the financial statements. As I discussed with the Oversight Committee staff when we met last year, from 2009 to 2017, I performed a number of administrative and bookkeeping tasks for then-Vice President Joe Biden related to his household finances. I also helped him and his accountants in the preparation of his taxes and his annual financial disclosure statements. 
I had the ability to view transactions both into and out of VP Biden's bank accounts. I am not aware of any financial transactions or compensation that VP Biden received related to business conducted by any of his family members or their associates, nor any involvement by him in their business. None. Schwerin said that the information being sought by the chairman, James Colmer, simply just doesn't exist. Doesn't stop him, though, does it? The Oversight Committee's letter to me on February 8th of last year said that the committee is investigating President Biden's knowledge and role in Hunter's foreign business deals, Schwerin recalled. I cannot recall any request for Vice President Biden to take any official action on behalf of any of Hunter's clients or his business deals, foreign or domestic. In fact, I am not aware of any role that Vice President Biden as a public official or as a private citizen had in any of Hunter's business activities. None. He went on to say he never asked for any official actions on Hunter Biden's clients. Further, he said that Biden would often stress to him that he wanted the most transparent and ethical approach consistent with both the spirit and the letter of the law. Given my awareness of his finances and the explicit directions to give his financial advisors the allegation that he would engage in any improper conduct to the benefit of himself and his family is preposterous to me. In a statement to the press after the testimony, Jamie Raskin, the Democrat from Maryland, said, once again, the House Republican impeachment requires failed to deliver the evidence necessary to justify itself. Now, I will remind the Democrats of something. Prior to Monica Lewinsky, the Republicans in during that time would come on out, and I don't know if you remember this, they would come on out, and they would look at the cameras and they say, we got tons of evidence. This is back when they were investigating the Whitewater investigation. Tons of evidence, tons of evidence, tons of evidence. And then the, the media would say, well, what evidence do you have? And someone would run up with a piece of paper in their hand, hand it to whichever Republican was speaking. They would all of a sudden look at it. It's like, oh, okay, I got this urgent matter. I got to go. Making it seem like they had just gotten, it was pure theater. They, they had just gotten the smoking gun. Here it is in my hand. And they did this. And they did that consistently. But by keeping that investigation open, on Ken, the Ken Starr investigation open and open and open, eventually they found about him lying about having sex. And that was, oh, we got him. This is what the Republicans are doing. They're just basically hoping that they can find something else. I doubt they'll find anything else. I, they are spectacularly imploding on this investigation. But once again, I, I want to make sure we understand for that 25 to 30% of the people that basically just don't care, that, that want to see the, 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 the Democrats fail because they just want to punish their opponent. The, the, all they're waiting for is the Republican to come on out there when, when even the Fox News blind pig finds a truffle and says, oh, well, you know, so far there's no evidence of any wrongdoing. Yeah, but we know what was going on. And that's all they're waiting to hear. Once again, I want to make sure we understand. They're being confronted and said, well, there's no evidence to your charges. Yeah, but we know what was going on. That's that's this the whole thing. At some point, though, you're going to have to go to a... And in the House, you see, they can try to impeach him with nothing. Now, granted, I, I do not think it's going to happen because in districts where Biden won, enough Republicans are going to be like, uh, that will be the end of my career. There's no crime here. I, I can't impeach a guy for no crime and expect to come back into this, the House. 
But that's what they want to do because everything they're doing right now are direct orders from Donald Trump. Which, by the way, once again, if I'm a Republican, I'm looking at Iowa and I'm looking at New Hampshire and I'm saying to myself, sweet Lord, man, this guy barely has half the, the party on his side. Is this really the path you want to go down? They're, 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 they want to get this all done by, say, May 1st. And then they can all, oh, well, I never said I was a lackey for Trump. Where'd you get that idea? Uh, this is from Raskin. Schwerin told, told the committee today that he never saw any evidence of wrongdoing by President Biden, that President Biden was not involved in, did not profit from, and took no official actions in relation to any of his family members' business dealings, he said in his comments. But, you know, once again, what are the Republicans waiting for? Well, but we know what really happened. <laughs> yeah, nothing happened. That's what really happened. Oh, God. It's, yeah, it's going to be a long year. All right, uh, Chicago, have a good one. Minneapolis-St. Paul, Hour 2 up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Tuesday. Matt and Brett and Patrick, we're all here right now. 952-946-6205. Guys, we have the winners of the plow names. They have been released. It wasn't even close. Taylor Drift. Taylor Drift won by a mile, and Taylor Drift will be <laughs> will be driving around northwestern Minnesota. And considering how many conservatives up there, I'm sure they're really happy with that. Especially if the the right wing narrative on Taylor Swift goes after with the NFL football. Uh, yeah, I, I can see that that's not going to go over too well. Taylor yeah. Swift. Uh, I'm surprised by the second place finisher, Clark W. Blizzwald, was number two. That's going to be in the central Minnesota mm-hmm. area. Dolly Plowton. Yeah. Nah, nah, Head shake for me too. Yeah. That's northeast of the, 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 up the Iron Range there. Wapa Inti. Wapa Inti? The Dakota word for snowplow is number, uh, that was number four. That's going to be southwestern Minnesota. Beyonce, I meant, I said it was going to make it. Beyonce, District 4, West Central Minnesota. Because, yeah, when I think of when uh, the fans of Beyonce, that's West Central Minnesota. That's uh, just. <laughs> Tons of fans of the Beyonce over there. Who was your killing me squalls? Was that you, Patrick? Or was that you? I know that's from the Sandlot movie. Yeah. Which one of you guys like that one? Did I you, like that one. I think you, Patrick did too, though. Did you like that one, Patrick? I think I did. I'm kind of thinking more it was something that's not on this list. Uh, well, that's the your killing me squalls was District 6. That's going to be Southeastern. Fast and furious. That's atrocious. Uh, that's District 7 at South Central. Yeah, that doesn't even flow off the tongue. Fast and, in, and furious. And in the metro area. What do we get? Barbie's Dream Plow. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was going to make it too. Although that was close. Okay, so they got the vote totals here. Taylor Drift just mopped up. It was 12,027 votes. The second place one, Clark W. Blizzwald, was 6,667. Do, do the Republicans know the fight they're picking here? Because everything that you just have to... I could change my name to Taylor Drift, and and guess what? I'm going to have... Uh, look, I've got another million followers on Twitter. How did that happen? I don't know if you guys know what you're getting into. Um, so basically, Taylor Drift got 12,027 votes. Clark W. Blizzwald, 6,667 I'll just go down. Barbie's Dream Plow was the last one that made it. That was 5,787. It's about 200 more than O for Fle- Sleet's Sake. 
thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> what was uh, you said, Aaron Burr, sir? Yeah, I'm not surprised that one didn't win. I, I was hoping for my dark horse. It didn't come through. And though. Burr, by the way, is B R R R R Aaron exactly. Burr, yeah, sir. Yeah. Uh, that was four thousand seven hundred twenty-two. That got fifteenth. Oh, that was closer than I thought to making the list. Only a couple hundred away. Okay, so uh, let's let's just put it out here. Which one do you think? Do you, is there one that you could think of that was the worst one on that list? That just wh- which one do you think finished dead last? Oh, I got to remember some of these. Um, uh, that, that's not going to help you because this is probably very unimagined. Uh, it really, yeah. Da- I, dashing through the snow was one thousand one hundred and eleven on that one. That still got a thousand votes and finished last. Okay, yeah. Uh, Beauty and the Blade was second last. Land of Ten Thousand Snows, third, Highway Hercules, and Storm Rider. Yeah, okay. Oh, they're a little uninspired. Uh, there's some people that are suggesting, and now I'm going to guess it's because they are not fans of Taylor Swift, that we should stop doing this. I don't mind them doing this. My problem is is that, you know, in Washington County, they kind of snuck in there and they get, did theirs really quick to try to kind of take away from the some of the steam from the state doing it. Uh, I, I just, you know, let, let's just do the statewide race and be done with it. I'm curious how they just, how they assign which plows go to which districts. Like you, I think I it rotated think... through. Oh, okay. I think it rotated because I remember a few years ago it was Southeastern got the top vote getter, Southeastern Minnesota. But, it, it, you know, baby got back and it just, it's just. Yeah, I was thinking, what, does District 1 Sir get Plows the number one winner every year? Yeah. You know, who got Sir Plows a lot a few years ago? I can't remember that one. Um, yeah, that's one of the better ones. Shiver me blizzards. That was 24. <laughs> God. I, because I said snow was 30. S- Sweet child of Brian. That was 35. I don't think, I don't think Guns N' Roses is going to come back on this one. No. Oh, no. It's yeah. I, we appreciate you putting it in, but just some plow names are better than other plow names. Let's just be honest about it. So, um, the other thing I wanted to mention, we are going to have a fairly large concert coming up here in town. This is on July 19th and 20th. It's the Minnesota Yacht Club Festival. It's going to be on Harriet Island. Now, I'm not mistaken. Harriet Island's in St. Paul, right? There's not like a Harriet Island in Minneapolis side. Uh, you got me thinking. I I don't think there's one. I think that's Unless uh, there somehow is one on Lake Harriet, which uh, I don't think there is. I don't think we're going to have to. <laughs> We're gonna perform on the island on Lake of the Isles. Yeah. There you go. Just wait. come on, guys, get in the boat. We're gonna take you over there. They said Lake of the Isles. Where are all the Isles? Well, no, it's it, it's on Harriet. The reason I say that is uh, one of the bands that's gonna be there is Dury, Austin Dury, friend of the show. Couldn't be happier for them. They're gonna be performing at this event. He said we're performing in Minneapolis. I said. Uh, I don't think so. If you're on Harriet Island, you're in St. Paul. Now, once again, this is only things people in Minneapolis, St. Paul, kind of like, eh, you're on the wrong side of town. But there you go. I, I, it's, it is over at Harriet Island, which isn't really an island anymore. You know, there's a lot of complications to this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Friday night, Gwen Stefani, Alanis Morissette, the Black Crows, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, the Head and the Heart, Dury, Morgan Wade, Michigander, the Gully Boys, yes. Harbor and home. That's the lineup for Friday. Gully Boys and Dury representing. I love that. I it's love. A, I love both of them. They're a good fantastic. mix of artists. There. They got some older ones, some younger ones. Yeah, they got yeah. a lot of older ones. It's a 1990s yeah. throwback yeah. here. Although Joan Jett and the Blackhearts is in the 1980s. That's not a bad. But yeah, and then Dury. You know, I mean, let's face it. Okay, Gwen Stefani. 
Alanis Morissette, Black Rose, Joan Jett. When was the last time any of those had a, a current hit? Not, it's been a while. Dury is, is, is kicking it. Gully Boys is kicking it. So you're going to get some new music yeah, so with like, them. Yeah, you get some new music with them. Yeah, then the classics. So Saturday, get re- get your socks ready, guys. It's the Red Hot Chili Peppers. They're going to be... T- <laughs> that is a bad reference. Uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, uh, the offspring, local boys, hippocampus are going to be there. Gary Clark Jr., the Hold Steady, Soul Asylum, Trombone Shorty and the Orleans Avenue. Um, Will Dorado. Nico Vega and Iron Tom. So that's, I have no idea. I, I read those last three. I'm, I work in this industry. I work in media. No idea. No, I think no. that's Tom Hartman on the last one, do you? Tom Hartman. <laughs> <laughs> it will be that's the his, worst uh, rap act of all time. <laughs> boom. Yeah, oh, no. I didn't know if he was moonlighting on no. the side at all. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing the Red Hot Chili Peppers, man. Uh, it is once again Red Hot Chili Peppers, the offspring, kind of older, but Hippocampus. They're they're, they're still putting out stuff. Solasim, yeah, I think didn't Solasim have a new album not that long ago? Did they? I don't. Yeah, okay, no, okay, this yeah, yeah okay, yeah. I, I'm not sure. Your uh, your pulse of popular culture right here. Yeah, you <laughs> he wanted to put Aaron Burr, oh, sir, on a plow. <laughs> uh, I should be like uh, Patrick. Any of those floating your boat over there? Uh, I do have one comment about. Uh, you know, Dury, like, you're from here. This is what I would expect, like, Flea to make that mistake. He's not from here. Well, when they said Harriet Island and they yeah. said Minneapolis, yeah, yeah. guys, yeah. we got to fix that. <laughs> you got to, you know, you know, it's, well, is there, have you ever been at a show where you've been in Minneapolis or in St. Paul? So it'd be St. Paul would be the X, the old St. Paul Civic Center. I don't know if Allianz Field has ever hosted anything over there. Uh, the Ordway or something like that. Or Minneapolis, Target Field, the U.S. Bank Stadium, the old Metrodome. Have you ever been someplace and they've said the other town's name? Hello, St. Paul, where they're in Minneapolis. And you're like, everyone's like, don't you know where you're at, man? I've been, I have been at a show once where they did that. There's a, they said, hello, Minneapolis and St. Paul. And half that crowd did not appreciate that. <laughs> they, they, you know, St. Paul's already got a bit of a chip on the shoulder already. That did not endear you to the locals. Let's just put it that way. I was just playing, by the way, if you're listening. Well, Austin. No, Austin is good. I, I couldn't tell you. I'm so damn proud of Austin Dury. If you did not hear the holiday interview, we still have those posted. The uh, the, the the brand new to you uh, interviews, we did one with Austin Dury from the band Dury. I have talked to him now four times over the years because, I mean, when, I remember when I stumbled upon him and said, you guys are great. They're now getting, you know, getting a lot of uh, attention, and they've been doing tours and stuff like this, so I couldn't be happier for him. I'm going to guess that, that that is whoever did their website made that mistake. But I'm sure by the end of the day, it will be corrected. <laughs> they're good people. Uh, no, I, I, I'd I be tempted to go over to do this. In two days, Jim, that's not bad. But, I mean, it could be hot out there. Yeah, July 9th, you're right. 19th, 19th, 20th. 19th, oh, yeah. I think tickets, be warm. tickets go on sale tomorrow. Um yeah, I, I've, it, I, I'd be up for it. I don't know. Would I go down into the the human sweat pit in the middle and roll around there? Yeah, probably I would. I, got to, <laughs> hey, I, I, it, I, I'm, I'm not against that. I'm not against that. But uh, no, I, I, I'm very happy they're doing this. I think we need to get more of these up here. And I know that they do that. What's the one up in Duluth that they do? They do one up there. Um, oh, I, I know which one you're talking about. Uh, it was a couple of years ago they did that. They yeah. had a couple of big names up there for um, trampled by turtles, the... and it was up there. Yeah, um, 
They they do a fun. They do one down by Canal Park downtown, and then they did one up by the up on the ski mm. resort. I think it was. I, I think that we need to get more of these in in the state, and we have, of course, the country music one that goes out. Um, what we fest they, they they do that. And that's that's huge every year. I mean, I'm not going to count stuff like you know what's the Moon Dance Jam up in Bemidji. Come on, you know. Oh, your favorite. It, it, yeah. I didn't even know Moon Dance Jam was still a thing. I don't think it is. I don't. Oh. I mean, it really was. You know, you want perverse you haven't heard from in 30 years, 70s acts. It's Moondance Jam. And, you know, it's there's nothing better than watching a band on stage swatting mosquitoes off them as they perform. <laughs> oh, good to have you here, Bachman Turner Overdrive. Ah, son of a <laughs> You think I'm joking. No, that's that's kind of what you got Learn up there. Learn their lesson with no bug spray yeah. before you go on and play your set. That might be the reason why they're too close to nature. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're not doing this again. Uh, I The fine folks at Moondance Jam, I don't... How how dare I disgrace your fine, fine festival? You've given them promotion <laughs> over the years. I think, if anything, you've probably helped them. <laughs> I don't think we'd call that promotion. I yeah, think yeah, my yeah. comments about... You, yeah. No, don't don't count on that check in the mail. Yeah, no. I don't... Uh, there, I saw some... Yeah. Any interesting behavior. Uh, speaking of interesting behavior, uh, Patrick Cooligan, uh, our, our fine friend over at the Minnesota Reformer. Once again, those guys lately are just hitting it out of the park. What are you guys talking about today? Yeah, so today we're mainly focusing on two topics. One is the column Patrick wrote on why Dean Phillips really should be listening to what New Hampshire voters told him because it didn't go well for him in New Hampshire, considering Joe Biden was a write-in candidate and he still won overwhelmingly. Yes. And then we will also be talking about the DFL and their proposal on day one of the legislature to make modifications to that school resource officer bill. It just seems like the party really wants that issue to go away. Well, it's it's kind of I think yeah. the issue had gone away, but I think that they're they're now yeah. we'll have to see. I, I mean, let's face it, we 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 stop. You know, you can't do that at a prison to a prisoner, mm-hmm. and but we're saying we can do it to a, a fourteen year old in a high school. I don't agree with that. Disagree with it. By the way, on the Dean Phillips thing, before we get to the interview, I just one thing when I went, I've started to see the quote unquote Dean Phillips supporter Democrats. I can't believe how bad this party is treating them. I'm taking my vote somewhere else. I've already started seeing that. I think we're seeing what this was all about. I think we're kind of seeing what this was all about. It's very reminiscent of stuff that I remember from 2016. It's very reminiscent. All right. Patrick Cool again with Brett uh, right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Brett Johnson with you here on a Tuesday afternoon. And as usual on Tuesdays, we are joined by the editor-in-chief of the Minnesota Reformer. That's Patrick Kulikan, as we're going to be chatting about some of the news stories they've been working on. And also a column. We occasionally will chat about some of the columns that they have uh, over at minnesotareformer.com, too, as we have lots to talk about today, including Patrick's column on Dean Phillips and why voters need to listen to him after last week's results. We'll also maybe uh, have a chance to touch on some other local news that they've been working on as well. So, Patrick, thanks so much for coming back on the show today. Thanks. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. So let's start off talking about your column titled, New Hampshire Voters Listened to Dean Phillips. He Should Listen to Them. Now, last week in New Hampshire, Dean Phillips managed to get just 20% of the vote, actually just shy of 20% of the vote, despite the fact that he was running against Joe Biden, who wasn't even on the ballot. Biden won by being a write-in candidate. Now, you wrote last year, Patrick, about how we, I think we even talked about this too during one of our interviews, how we kind of had some sympathy for Dean Phillips and how Dean Phillips and his thoughts on Joe Biden and how he seemed genuinely concerned about the candidacy of Joe Biden. 
but I think part of your column really kind of hit the nail on the head when you talked about how we should really pay attention to who Dean Phillips keeps in his company. And as we've seen, there's been some GOP operatives like Steve Schmidt and the anti-DEI guy like Bill Ackman who have been kind of uh, involved in the Phillips campaign, and that probably didn't help as well. Yeah, um, uh, as as you noted, uh, I was sympathetic to the idea that Phillips raised uh, in the summer that the President Biden's numbers are bad, and it certainly didn't uh, It looked like it was going to be a struggle uh, to defeat uh, uh, the presumptive GOP nominee, Donald Trump, and, and that that's the absolute nightmare. And so he was going out. He was he said he was recruiting other folks, the big name Democrats, to try to get them to run. Um, and and I, I kind of thought, well, it's probably a good thing that somebody is raising uh, the red flag here. Um, but then when he decided to get in the race, uh, I thought that some of his comments uh, were really out of bounds. Um, one, for instance, uh, he was asked point blank whether or not uh, Joe Biden was a threat to democracy because uh, Phillips, uh, with the the Florida uh, Democratic Party, was keeping him off the Dean Phillips off the the Florida primary ballot, and Phillips was kind of enraged by this, and he answered yes that that Joe Biden is a threat to democracy, and I I, I thought that was really uh, a terrible false equivalence given the uh, what's happening with. With Donald Trump and his attempt to overturn the 2020 election results, I mean, what happened in Florida is that Dean Phillips uh, he didn't actually announce he was running until uh, late in the game, and Florida Democrats are uh, supportive of the president. Um, so to me, it indicated not that uh, Joe Biden is a threat to democracy, but that Dean Phillips just isn't uh, wasn't good enough at politics. Um, didn't have any allies with the Florida Democratic Party, uh, which is just standard politics to me. Um, and so uh, he 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 also uh, I think the idea here was that uh, and his campaign uh, told this to reporters if they were to get 42 percent in New Hampshire that's the total that uh, Eugene McCarthy received in 1968 and toppled LBJ uh, then that would be uh, that was the goal he didn't even get half of that and he was running against a write-in candidate. Um, I, I've actually been uh, to New Hampshire for a presidential primary a couple times, and uh, I mean I watched sort of that the the energy that surrounded John McCain's campaign in 2000, as well as uh, both the Obama and uh, Hillary Clinton campaigns in 2008. And um, I can tell you that uh, when when a candidate really uh, catches fire in New Hampshire, there's uh, as a tangible sense to it. You can really feel the energy. And uh, I wasn't out there this time, but I don't think there's, I don't think there's any question that that's not really the reception that Phillips uh, received. Um, if he had really had any, uh, an energetic showing there, he would have done better than 20%. Um, but he didn't. And now he moves on. Uh, he, he seems pretty committed to keeping the campaign going, uh, which again, I don't really understand, uh, especially since the next, uh, primary in South Carolina, he's uh, probably going to get almost certainly single digits. And so you really have to start wondering, what is the rationale for the campaign? And 
what is the message of the campaign too? Because even going back and responding to what you talked about when Dean Phillips said, well, Joe Biden is a threat to democracy because I wasn't allowed on the Florida ballot. To me, just when you're a candidate who's trying, who's running as an underdog and you're trying to take a topple the favorite, whoever they might be, whether it's the sitting president or someone else, you got to have kind of that positive message and just having a conspiracy theory message saying, well, the party's against me. That doesn't really seem to resonate. Well, I guess unless you're Donald Trump or someone like that. But I just didn't really see much of a positive message really in New Hampshire either, other than the fact that, well, the Democrats need somebody else and Joe Biden is too old. That doesn't really seem very motivating to voters in New Hampshire. And that's probably why voters didn't really connect with him in that state either. Yeah, uh, I think what uh, Phillips told a, a national political reporter back in when he was mulling his run that he was the, his greatest fear was was uh, Donald Trump's reelection, and and that was why he was actually running because uh, he didn't think Biden could win, and he wanted to make sure there was he hoped he wanted to make sure there was some kind of a uh, plan B in case uh, uh, President Biden. Um, had there was some kind of health event, or if he just couldn't muster the energy to run a campaign, um, but he then, uh, you know, by by engaging in these tactics, and some of what he said, he's really providing talking points uh, for uh, the Trump campaign, um, the, constantly harping on uh, Biden's age, and then also claiming that Biden is a threat to democracy. Uh, that's really not helpful. If you're, if you really, if your fear is Donald Trump getting reelected, uh, then you need to start thinking about your own role in that. And um, I think that's the big question for him: is uh, is he now contributing to the reelect to the election of Donald Trump? We'll read more about Patrick's column over at minnesotareformer.com, titled New Hampshire Voters Listen to Dean Phillips. He should listen to them. Hey, briefly, before we have to wrap things up, do want to touch on one more story, and that has to do with uh, the DFL's proposed fix to the school cops issue that is set to be heard on day one of the legislative session. Uh, just to fill you in a little bit, the current law limits how school police can physically restrain students in schools and prohibit school employees, including school resource officers, from using any kind of hold that inhibits a student's ability to breathe or communicate distress except to prevent bodily harm or death. This uh, new modification that DFLers are possibly making would repeal a ban on school police putting students in the prone position or face down, as former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin restrained George Floyd with back in 2020, which of course killed him. So looking at now the DFLers possibly modifying this bill, this overall just seems like an issue that the DFL really wants to go away before 2020. Or in other words, it's not really worth the trouble of trying to defend this bill. They want this thing gone by the election time. That's kind of the read I'm getting on from this. What about you? Yeah, that's certainly what it seems like. Uh, the, uh, the vibe that uh, I got from a source of ours, was that they, the Walls administration and the House DFL are, are hoping this thing will, will go away quickly. They are going to hear the bill, like, on day one. They want to dispense with this issue quickly. I think it, uh, they thought it was a bad issue for them in the fall. Um, part of the reason I thought it was a bad issue for them was that they didn't have a good response to it. Um, but again, uh, just to, to uh, remind your listeners of the history August comes around, there's this new rule, you can't put a student prone, meaning face down, um, uh, on the ground. Any No school employee can do that, including uh, the, the police officers in the schools. And suddenly 
the uh, certain departments started to pull their officers out of the schools. And uh, then the Republicans made quite an issue about it, how it was going to make our schools unsafe. Uh, it seemed pretty coordinated. Every few days, a new district, they, they would announce they were pulling their, their police. And they were often in kind of border uh, swing districts, swing legislative districts. So um, uh, I, I feel like the Democrats uh, are coming into this session uh, wanting to make sure this is not something that continues on. Um, but I, I also, uh, I think there are a lot of folks who are going to feel like they're a little bit betrayed here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll see if there's any pushback um, from folks who um, do not want uh, this kind of physical force used on uh, students. A reminder, too, that uh, not every school has a, they call them school resource officers, or um, in, in fact, two of the largest districts, St. Paul and Minneapolis, uh, do not have any in their schools. Uh, so um, the, the idea, and I wrote about this previously, that, that somehow uh, chaos was going to ensue uh, if we didn't overturn the, the new rule about holding students down on the ground on their stomachs. Uh, it just, it, it really didn't, uh, I was deeply skeptical. And so uh, I think Democrats could hold their ground on this, but um, I suspect they're not going to. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask as my next question. Could they be too concerned about this issue? Because I think I even saw, maybe even you guys wrote about this too, how many schools even use school resource officers that eventually pulled them out last year? Because if I remember, I mean, there were a few districts that did end up pulling out, pulling the cops out of schools, but not many overall. So. Perhaps this was a little overblown, but then again, kind of perception is everything, and I can still see why they don't want this issue hanging over their heads coming up in the fall of 2024 election. Yeah, I mean, the reality is in, in these suburban districts, um, police are still popular figures, and, you know, these are very uh, involved parents often, mm-hmm. and, and they're really concerned about uh, safety of their of their children, as, as well they should be, and it, it certainly drives a lot of interest in in like gun control um, because they're afraid of school shootings um, and so I, I think that for a lot of these swing districts again it's not a great issue for Democrats and so they're trying to just um, be done with it um, and uh, it's certainly going to disappoint some some folks um, and and I think there will be uh, some, some conflict on this issue but we'll see how it plays out and that fi- starts February 12th and final question for you on this. What are the police thinking about? I mean, the police in general, at least some of the lobbyists for them, at least. What are they thinking about this uh, proposed DFL fix to the bill? Have police seemed generally open? Are they skeptical? Or what are their overall thoughts on this uh, proposed fix from DFLers? Yeah, I mean, they're not totally satisfied, um, which is probably, but, you know, it might be just smart politics to just say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Um, because you know the, the, your, the negotiation is ongoing, so uh, you don't want to say like, "Oh, we love this bill; let's pass it," because um, that would engender a lot of mistrust. <laughs> um, so they they like the repeal of the prone restraint, but they there's there's a other aspects of the this bill that would create kind of a model school policy, um, and they want to make sure that their their folks are the ones who are crafting that policy. Um, and because the reality is that that policy could end up banning the restraints again, um, uh, 
um, or they could wind up uh, codifying the, the the right to use the restraints. Um, so we'll have to see how it plays out. They're, they're saying right now uh, that, that they're not really high on the bill, um, as are the opponents of this uh, type of restraint. So um, we'll see if they can cobble together uh, enough votes here. If you want more details on this bill, which DFLers say they are going to introduce on day one, this fix to the school cops bill, introduce day one. Read more about it over at minnesotareformer.com. And again, make sure you check them out for all the latest in Minnesota news and politics, minnesotareformer.com. We have been speaking with Patrick Kulikan, who is the editor-in-chief of the Minnesota Reformer, who joins us on Tuesdays. Patrick, as always, thanks for coming on the show today. Always a pleasure. All right, let's take a break and send things back over to Matt McNeil on AM950. Oh yeah, we're all Taylor now. All Tay-Tay. I love this song. This is a great song. I we have to give we have a listener of the show friend of mine angie she actually was one of the finalists on the the plow names she did not get there uh the great minnesota plow together was hers uh that got 2325 votes so uh, thank you angie congratulations on that between crop art at the state fair and plow names we are like the most connected radio station in the in, in the metro in, in the state at this point. That's kind of cool. 2,000 other people liked your name as well. If, if, if we'll just throw some flag designs in there, too. Guess what? We are the epicenter of Minnesota culture. Damn it. <laughs> None of us have any idea. When, when was the last time that band put out a song? It was great. I like the music. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Angie, thanks for listening. Congratulations on that one there. Um... I guess I'll start with the lead. I don't know if it's the case. Apparently, um, uh, Peter Griffin from the uh, Family Guy has decided to run against David Klobuchar. <laughs> Sorry. He kind of does. Looks like Peter from Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Frazier. Not that Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier. <laughs> it's, it's the candidate. No, not that Joe Frazier, the one that looks like Peter Griffin. A suburban banker, military veteran, has jumped into the 2024 race for the U.S. Senate in Minnesota, challenging Democratic incumbent Mary, uh, Amy Klobuchar. Mary, Amy Klobuchar, uh, Republican Joe Frazier, who spent 26 years in the U.S. Navy, salute, now works in the banking industry. Oh, Pana, George Bailey needs to be waterboarded. <laughs> sorry, sorry. He's launched a campaign. I'm not saying that Joe Frazier wanted to, to, to waterboard George Bailey. I've just said, it's, you know, I'm going to have Banker in there. I'm throwing in a pot of reference. I owe uh, people out of context think you're talking about the boxer the whole time. <laughs> Joe Frazier wanted to kill George, George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life. By waterboarding him. <laughs> this show's taking a turn. Uh, and what's the family guy got to do with it? Anyway. Uh, he's got a he's got a campaign website Monday. Plan to tour the state Tuesday and, and Wednesday. Introduce himself to voters. Yeah, sure, you're gonna need to do that. Uh, the running for the U.S. Senate to continue my life in the service of the people of Minnesota. Fraser wrote on his webpage. We must work to put an end to the crises at our border. To tackle rising concerns. Are we gonna? Is there a, is, do we have a crisis on the Canadian border right now? 
I mean, because that's we have a border here. We seem to be doing pretty well here. So nice job, Amy Klobuchar. I mean, occasionally every once in a while, someone tries to bring in some Labatt's Blue. But the Canadian version of Labatt's Blue is delicious. Have you had that? Some Tim Hortons coffee? Oh, you darn you Canadians. <laughs> With your sensibly priced and delicious, you know, drink options. Uh, we, 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 you know, uh, you know, it's, it, it, you're kind of at a reach here. If you're, if you're going to do, you're going to be border crisis guy. Uh, he's tackling rising consumer prices. Uh, that's private sector. So are you saying you want to, uh, you want to socialize all corporations in America? Wow. God, that's liberal there. Republican. Uh, and our historic national debt, funny story. You know what really actually contributed to the national debt? The Trump era tax cuts. Seriously, they actually cavitated the national debt. So as opposed to cutting every service for everyone in the country, why don't you, uh, just, I don't know, undo the Trump era tax cuts and a good chunk of the, the debt will go away. That'll be fantastic. Oh, you don't want to do that. Oh, okay. Food for hungry people. Oh, okay. Got it. All right. Well, I'm not saying. I don't know what his plans are. I'm just kind of speculating. This is pure speculation. Uh, sure, the streets are safe from those who wish to cause us harm. He is from Minatrista, I believe. He, <laughs> has Minatrista taken a turn? I, I was out there. I, was at the, 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 I did the mini golf out there, man. That's a hoot. Uh, the Big Stone mini golf, we did that once. In a while. That's, that's, it didn't seem like it was uh, a troublesome area. According to his campaign, Frazier was deployed to Europe, Haiti, Asia, and the Middle East in support of Operation Southern Watch, Iraqi Freedom, United Response, and Enduring Freedom. He retired the rank of commander and worked with cybersecurity before moving into banking. It's old Bailey. Frazier makes his home in Minatrista with his wife, Rhonda, who also was a U.S. Navy veteran. Thank you much. Their teenage daughter is a senior at Mound West Tonka High School, which, by the way, of all the schools, when my kids played sports and I saw a weeknight game after a school day, do you know, if, if we had to go, I was in Hopkins, we'd have to go out to West Tonka, Mound West Tonka. Do you know how much it would take an hour to get out there with afternoon? It was a nightmare. That was, that, that whole day was gone. Yeah. You really don't have a, an efficient way to get out there. No, not, you have to, it is, oh, it's a, it's a fine school. Mound was talking. This is not a criticism of your school. School is a fine school out there. It's just, it's one of those schools where you're just like, oh man, we got to go to Lake Elmo? <laughs> and we've got a five o'clock start time. Great. Great. Thank you. If you, if you have kids who've done sports, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but but Mount West Tonka is a lovely school. Minnesotans haven't elected a Republican statewide office in 2006 when Governor Tim Pawlenty won re-election. Klobuchar has defeated her Republican opponents soundly in the three previous campaigns. We actually had one of the one of the best moments I've ever had was in 2018 when we actually were doing the election night coverage and we went into the eight o'clock hour and the question was how quick into the eight o'clock hour would they call Klobuchar over Newberger? Uh, <laughs> and we fell out of our chair. It was like 22 seconds into the eight o'clock hour, 22 seconds. And they called that race for Klobuchar. That was, that was, well, it did not help that Newberger did not run at all in the Metro area. He didn't even try to win the Metro area. He basically spent his entire campaign going to small town after small town after small town and just got annihilated. But God, that was funny. I mean, I was, I think I was like crying. I was laughing so hard. 22 seconds. It was brilliant. 
I don't know. I mean, hey, first of all, to this guy, thank you for your service. Uh, as a U.S. Army veteran, you know, nice boat. All right. <laughs> Go Navy. <laughs> I'll say that. And you served your time there. I have no doubt in my mind that you've you've done a lot of great things to help out a lot of people. That being said, you're running. It's going to be interesting to see how you try to play yourself off because you can't win without the Twin Cities metro area. And you, you've, you've got a math problem. And we've talked about this before. And it's a good time to remind Republicans. Sure, you guys do great in outstate Minnesota where the last time I did the number tally on this, it's like 1,800,000 people in the state of 5,700,000 live. You guys, you know, get up to like 60% of that vote, which is great for you. But then you get into, first of all, let's go with the outlying cities, the Moorheads, Mankatos, St. Clouds, Duluth, Rochester, where their cores are very Democrat now. And your two best options there generally are Mankato or Moorhead, but you have to sink a ton of money into those just to try to get a handful of the Democratic votes over to your side. But then comes the biggest problem for you. And something that you we've talked about multiple times. The metro area is population is 3.7 million of the Twin Cities metro area. The suburbs, when I started this radio show, heck, five years before I started, 2005 or so, a lot of the suburbs were Republican. A lot of them were. But you guys have abandoned the city completely. And you try to do stuff like, you know, SROs and skulls. Well, that's a good issue for you if you're out in those white areas where you have a lot of voters who want to see cops keep minority kids in line. But is it really the make or break story in the suburbs? Because in the suburbs, most of the people who are already going to vote Republican already have their kids in a private school anyway. You know, it's and, and generally don't have too much of a problem with this. So, you know, you're, you know, that's why, I mean, the, the flag is the state flag going to be your, I love the state flag needs to stay with the other one. You didn't even know what the freaking state flag was. Heck, I bet you I could still, sh I could remove the word Minnesota. And there was like a whole bunch of them at the same time, Indiana, Wisconsin, Ohio, you know, Michigan, uh, they all kind of looked the same. Iowa's looked the same for a while. They all look the same. I bet you if we remove the name of the state, you would not be able to identify which one was which. <laughs> you, you remove the dates and the date and then state name, and we put those flags up there. How many of these people who are so outraged because you violated the, 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 the sanctity of the state flag could even pick it out? Zero. Well, no, not zero, but not a lot. You're from Minatrista. That, I think, is by design. They wanted to get someone, you got your military record. You can lean on that. You're also running against one of the most popular U.S. senators in the country. And I'm not saying Amy Klobuchar, and I guarantee you, I'm not saying Amy Klobuchar can't be beat, but here's your trouble. Amy Klobuchar knows that she could be beat. Henceforth, she's at the top of her game when it comes to campaigns. And she is going to come on out 
swinging. Now, maybe not presidential campaigns. We'll, we'll talk about that some other time. But when it comes to her campaigns, they're solid. They're complete. They're devastating. Who was the guy that lost to Newberger, lost to her before Newberger? Was it John? Kurt Bills. Kurt Bills, that's right. Kurt Bills. Oh, thank God he had a long, long career after that. Oh, oh. By the way, where is Newberger? Do we know where Newberger's at either? It's like you lose that race and you go live in a in a cave at the top of the hills in Lake Superior. That's that's kind of the end of you. Oh, God. So, hey, bring it. You know, I mean, I think bravado and bluster is going to get you only so far. And you're going to need to win. Okay, you're not going to win the inner city. We already know that. Minneapolis-St. Paul, they're not going to go for you. First-tier suburbs, they're pretty much a lost cause for you, too. You know, you're not going to run those around there. It's, uh, you know, you know, Robbinsdale, uh, Crystal, Golden Valley, St. Louis Park, Edina, Hopkins, Bloomington, Richfield, yeah, you guys, you're going to go over. Okay, I'm just going to call that one right now. Even secondary cities, Eden Prairie, Minnetonka, um, Champlin's been going more blue. Rosemill's been going, well, Roseville kind of borders up there, but, you know, your, Woodbury's been going more blue. You're, you're going to need to flip some of those districts. Are you going to run, are you, are you going to run as a Trump supporter? We're going to have to to get the the Republican nomination. That's not going to fly within the, the suburban areas. They don't like Trump. Are you going to? What are you going to say on abortion? Because during your primary, you got to be no no exceptions for life of the mother. That's what you got to be. I ain't going to fly in the suburbs. So I'd love to. At any point, you want to tell me how in the hell you think you're going to pull this off against a seasoned veteran of the political spectrum? who knows how to run a campaign, who is popular in the state. Good luck with that. I don't think you're going to have too much success. That's just me. I don't want to, you know, rain on your parade. Like I said, I salute your military service. Minitrista is fine. Um, you know, it, it's, there's it, nothing there. It's just, what are you, are, you're, you're not going to win the nomination if you're moderate and you're not going to win the suburbs you need to win if you're a far-right conservative. So good luck with that math problem. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. Wrap up the show when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. The uh, I, I want to make sure I, I saw this. This is pretty funny. In case you missed it, Elon Musk is apparently starting to implant microchips into people. Uh, this is a tweet from Elon. A first human received an implant from Neuralink yesterday and is recovering well. Initial results, results show promising neuron spike detection. Um, a, a conservatives. Um, do you remember when you didn't want to get a COVID vaccine because... That after someone installing a chip into you so that they can control you. You remember how you guys irrationally freaked out about the made up conspiracy theory in your freaking mind? Remember that? I remember that. Yeah, it was kind of um, weird. But here you are now, and your online god to greasiness 
is out there basically I'm in I'm in, I'm actually implanting the microchips in myself. I'm just pushing it really hard through the skin. And you're like, it looks great. Good luck with that. Uh good good luck with all that. Uh did you hear that there there's apparently a lot of people out violating the I could just leave it right there and just <laughs> that's the end of the show. Violating. Uh they're violating the charging stations for electric charging. Somebody's cut the cord on charging stations across the metro. Minneapolis St. Paul together are building up a public EV hotspot charging network. When complete, will include about 70 hubs between two cities where drivers can recharge their batteries. The hubs are outfitted on level two chargers, offering faster charging times than a standard plug-in at home. They've come online. They've increasingly become targets for thieves. Officials in Minneapolis say 63 cables have been cut and removed from EV hotspot chargers since the city started installing them. Some of the damages and stolen cords have been replaced only to be hit again. In St. Paul, about 20 chargers have been hit. It is an issue that is frustrating at so many levels for everyone. It's problematic because people can't charge their cars and it's not a victimless crime. For the past several months, damaged charging stations have been an inconvenience. Um... Replacing damaged chargers is expensive. Minneapolis has replaced 46 vandalized cords, each at about $1,000 a pop. It can take a lot of time. Two chargers can be down for extended periods of time because there are long long lead times in obtaining replacement parts and arranging for crews from public works to go out there and make the repairs. Thieves have been stealing copper wire used to power streetlights for years, have seemingly turned to sites on EV charging stations, although there's not a great deal of metal in them. Norton called the vandalism strange. You wonder if it's some kind of protest. If so, I wish they would make it more clear what their protest is. I'm actually wondering a little bit about that, too. That's originally where I was going. I was thinking someone was making a political statement. Now, reminder, there was, before you say to yourself, Matt, don't you dare imply people who are against electric vehicles are condemning this. You're the guys that try to coat every gas pump in the country with a Joe Biden, I did this sticker, which was vandalism. And you don't want to call it vandalism, but it was vandalism. And many of those stickers were hard to get off and caused a lot of problem for the gas station. But you guys did it until the gas prices started coming down. And then you frantically went out there with your razor blades to try to remove them because you're too stupid for your own good. Now, that being said, 63 have been cut. And if this was a crime ring, because, I I mean, this is a very specialized crime ring. If this was a crime ring, you would think very quickly they would realize there's not a lot of metals in there. It's no real point in us cutting these cables because for us to do that, we're not going to get any kind of real return on this. So... If it's not, it's not a real moneymaker, I'm not thinking it's like the catalytic converter thefts where there was, you know, people were running around with tow trucks and lifting up cars, cutting them off, could get them off in five minutes and get the, and go because there were precious metals in there. Criminals, especially organized criminals, they're not going to waste their time with something that's not going to give them a lot, especially if it's in a public area where people could see them do it. And it's the fact that 63 of them have been cut. I think this is something of a protest. And I, my gut feeling is, is 
Can I say the joke? I'm going to say the joke. Since most far left hippies don't have the manpower strength to basically cut that cord themselves. I'm guessing Raging Rhino. <laughs> That's just my, I'm just pulling that one out of, let me just pluck that one out of the thin air. That'd be my theory. <laughs> get, get my hemp pliers. <laughs> uh, I think we may, maybe we should put a few cameras on these suckers, shall we? And I don't know, see who's doing it. That's just me though. Solving crimes. That's just me. Native Roots Radio, I'm awake. They are coming up next. Have a wonderful rest of your day. We are back on a Wednesday with Stein. Until then, see ya.